0: But let me step out over here before I say, when I say this, uh, if, before I get going. How about those Greenwood Bulldogs? Okay. I, I just knew we had some Greenwood fans in here. Really, quite an accomplishment. Uh, seven state titles since the year 2000. Uh, two three-peats. 38 wins in a row. That is that really is absolutely amazing. I heard a a rumor. Of course, you hear rumors all the time, especially in in football and in coaching. I heard a rumor this past week that Arkansas's new coach is going to be one of two men, either OU Stoops or Greenwood's Rick Jones, and and I hope both are untrue. I hope both are. Oh, I really thought that would get somebody going, but apparently not. All right. Oh, wow. Okay, here here we go. Let's change gears real quick, Vincent. That was a bomb. Uh, I've been preaching a series of sermons on hazardous material, some of the most dangerous ideals in our culture. I still have a few of those floating in my head. I don't know if we'll ever get back to them. But today I want to preach a transition sermon from that hazmat material we've been talking about uh, to Christmas. Because, hey, man, it's December 2nd, right? Right? Is it December six special? December two is a special day. My boy Zane turns thirteen today. All right, so let's hear it for Zane thirteen, and he's still alive. That's quite an accomplishment. So uh, uh, he did. He did tell me he will be taking uh, birthday donations right after service, going straight to his birthday fund. But uh, no, at this time of year, the month of December, our thoughts are upon baby Jesus. Are they not? Uh, the Christ child in the manger, Mary, Joseph, the star of the shepherds, uh, the wise men. Uh, but as we sing Christmas carols, we need to be reminded that baby Jesus came to planet earth on a mission. Right? Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost so as we celebrate Jesus coming the first time as a baby let's remember that Jesus Christ will come a second time as both King and judge in this season of Christmas as we view the nativity let's not forget about The end times. He came as a baby, but he is coming again. I I really have a curiosity about the future, and I have a love for biblical prophecy. And and so I often find myself returning to those passages that tell us about the latter days. Now, I am not a latter-day saint, okay? But I am a present-day saint who likes to study the latter days, And that really brings us to the passage I've chosen for this morning. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. This is what Paul wrote, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, there's our phrase, the title of our sermon, in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. I was going to read through verse 5, but I think I'll just stop right there and ask God to bless the reading of His Word. Really, this passage begins with Paul's assuring us that his information is coming from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's unmistakably clear. He begins verse 1 by saying, The Spirit clearly or expressly says... That in latter times. Now, in this phrase, in latter times, uh, it occurs frequently in the Bible and it indicates the days preceding the return of Jesus Christ. It is found five times in the New Testament in various forms and all of these passages give us various signs of the times. That is, predictions or clues as to the return of Christ. But Paul mentions only one of these signs of the times here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. One that we don't frequently mention. And that being the coming apostasy that will occur in the church. Look at verse 1 again. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. And that word depart or abandon is a translation from the Greek word from which we get our English word apostasy. Now, the word apostasy simply means to depart from the faith. So, in other words, in the days before the coming of Jesus Christ, there will be many so-called Christians who will turn a cold shoulder to the Christian faith. Paul goes on to say that they will follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons that's very alarming in other words they will fall prey to people who are themselves being controlled and manipulated by demons and this is not just a fairy tale or a movie that's going to be shown at the theater this is reality okay right before Jesus Christ comes back there will be an apostate church That apostate church will grow out of evangelical Christianity. People in the church will start teaching demonology. Things taught by demons. Verse 2 goes on to say, Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. Now ever since I was a little kid, uh, we had family devotions every night. Uh, My sister, who is here, welcome, Shrita. Hey, Slip, and her husband, Tommy, from Houston, Texas. Glad that you all are here. Uh, My mom and dad would make uh, Shrita and I and our dog, Pootie go into their bedroom, and Dad would always read a passage of Scripture, would have a family altar. But then after that, I would go back to my own room, and right before I went to sleep, I had a a little Bible on my nightstand. I would read a, a passage of Scripture. I read through the New Testament several times right before I went to sleep. And I can remember, folks, as a little kid, reading this passage of Scripture about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. And I had absolutely no idea what it was talking about but I remember finding that statement very intriguing apparently those who turned away from the faith felt at first pangs of conscience but they ignored the inner voice of their conscience and pretty soon their conscience became calloused and hardened and desensitized in other words they lost all feeling it brings up a very I think important question for those of us here today who are Christians, how does our conscience work? I mean, I don't know exactly where it is inside of me. How in the world does it work? Well, let me put it like this. I know some people who have... An invisible fence up around their yard to keep their dog in. I don't know, maybe you have one of those or know someone who does. An invisible fence is a wire that is buried just under the ground around the perimeter of a yard and it emits a signal. The dog itself wears this special collar, and on the collar is is a beeper and also a couple of prods that (laughs) zap that dog, right? Now, when the dog approaches the wire that's buried under the ground, the, the collar will begin beeping. And that beeping is a warning sound that the dog is getting into forbidden territories. He's headed for a boundary that he doesn't need to go to. And, and it starts beeping. What it's telling the dog is, Get back, Jack! Okay. And if the dog keeps going... this there's going to be this unpleasant electrical jolt, all right? Now, a person's conscience is kind of like that beeping sound in a collar. It's an inner voice that warns us that we are near a forbidden boundary. And if we keep on going, we will soon be walking down that wide and broad road that I've preached about before that is dangerous territory. It leads us to a place we don't want to go. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a, a place, maybe, maybe you went to a party or uh, you're with a group of people or you went to a movie theater or you're sitting in your own living room watching TV and all of a sudden something inside of you says, hey, you don't belong here. Oh, I was hoping there was more of you that said, yeah, I can relate to that. You don't need to be watching that. You you don't need to be hearing that. Has that ever happened to you? You I I can remember numerous times, especially as a teenager, going to places that probably I didn't need to go to to begin with. But once I got there, man, that started ringing. That buzzer was going off saying, Hey, Will, you don't belong here. That's really what our conscience is. However, if we ignore the beeping of our conscience after, after a while, you know what? You can't hear it anymore. You can't feel the little jolts of warning. Why? Because our conscience has become seared. It's become calloused and hardened. We have lost all sense of feeling. We have become desensitized. Now the Bible clearly teaches that in the last days an apostate church will arise when men and women will be religious. On the outside, they're looking religious. They're still having church, but they are denying several things about the genuine faith that the Bible talks about. And again, this is going to happen. It is happening. It is happening. So let me talk just for a a moment about these these things that the apostate church will begin to deny. First of all, there will be a denial from the apostate church concerning Jesus Christ. In his first epistle, John in 1 John chapter 2 writes this and warns, Dear children, this is the last hour. Again, he's talking about the latter days. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. And if you read on down in, in chapter 2, he says this in verse 22 Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus Christ is Lord? He is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And again, this is happening. Not just in the world that we live in. Sure, it's going to happen there. This is happening even in Christianity and in the church. Uh, Perhaps you saw the pathetic documentary the Public Broadcast Corporation put together a couple of years ago uh, purporting to trace Christianity back to its roots. They based their documentary exclusively on the views of liberal scholars, totally ignoring the brilliant world of evangelical and conservative scholarship. The end result of this documentary is that they stripped Jesus Christ of his true identity and simply made him out to be a grand teacher, a really good teacher, who got himself crucified but never rose from the grave. Now, folks, we know the world believes that about Jesus. But this is a documentary that came from within the so-called church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is happening in Christianity. This is happening amongst believers already denying the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, I have spent several weeks uh, preaching this hazmat series Uh, talking about some of the most lethal and dangerous ideals and philosophies that are floating around in in our world. The, 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 The whole concept of this is that there is a chain of truth that if you link yourself to, you'll never go wrong. And remember my chain of truth that we've used as an illustration through every message. The first link in the chain of truth is the belief that there is one true God. The God who spoke this world into existence. There is a God who is at the center of what truth is. Okay? That's the first link in the chain of truth. And if you believe that, you have already established a filtering system in your own life that you filter every philosophy and every idea that the world has through. The second link in that chain of truth is this. That one true God has revealed himself in the word of truth, that which we call the Holy Bible. So we can have truth before us. We can read what truth is. We know the truth. And we know the verse that says the truth will set us free because that is the third link in our chain of truth. There is one true God. He has revealed Himself in the Word of God, but He also manifested Himself through His only begotten Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one is going to get to the father except he come through me that is our chain of truth that is our filtering system that that we filter everything through and we must believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven now again this cuts across grain with what the world wants us to talk about and what the world believes. The world believes, no, There, there is many ways to paradise. There's many ways. You want to talk about heaven, there's a whole lot of ways you can get to heaven. Just be a good person, you know. Give, give, give money, give to the United Way, buy yourself anything. In a lot of ways, that's not what the truth says. The truth says, no, there is only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so the church is feeling all this pressure from the world, and not just the world, but from politicians and and, and the media. You know, hey, guys, y'all need to back off from this and say there's many ways to heaven. No, there's not. There's only one way. And so what the world is forcing the church into doing is saying, okay, you know, uh, Hindus have their way, Muslims have their way, everybody's got their own way, just pick a way. We'll all be okay. And again, the church is feeling the pressure to do that. If if you're not believing what I'm saying, just study the major evangelical denominations in the United States of America. They have really backed off the deity of Jesus Christ in their doctrine and in their teaching. You know what that tells me? It tells me that we are in the last days. Because the Bible says in the last hours, the last days, this apostate church is going to start preaching this false doctrine that there are many ways and deny the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way. Well, I didn't mean to spend that much time on that little thought, but let me move on to secondly. There will be a denial of Christ's return. Peter said this in 2 Peter chapter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He has promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it is from the beginning of creation. So again, in the last days, teachers from the apostate church are going to start asking the question, well, where is he? He promised he's coming back. 2,000 years have come and gone. He he hadn't come. I guess we can just all kind of eat, drink, and be merry. Everybody can do what is right in their own eyes. We talked about that, didn't we? You know, here's the sad thing about this. We're not very far from that philosophy. I'm talking, you know, and... I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the good church people right now. Here's the question I have for you. You may not say this out loud, but when was the last time you gave any thought to the second coming of Jesus Christ? Dude, I can't remember. I mean, hmm. You know, here's, here's, here's the reality. Here's where we live. We live in the, in the constant grind of getting up every morning, getting the kids ready for school, sending them off to school, going to work, trying to make a living, trying to put food on the table, trying to buy Christmas presents, taking the kids to sporting events, you know, doing all the housework that needs to be done, the yard work, going here, going there, going to meetings, 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 church planning meetings, all kinds of meetings, you know. By the end of the day, you're pooped, you're tired. You lay down, you try to go to sleep, but you can't rest because you're worried about what's happening to the world. It's life, man. And we, we really, honestly, I'm just talking to you. Okay, I'm not behind the pulpit. I'm over here talking to you. Very seldom do we even think about spiritual issues and things at all. Right? I mean, true. Much less the second coming of Jesus Christ. However, the Bible says you better be thinking about it. Because it's coming. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. He could come back before I say the next word. <laughs> are, are we living that way? That's really the reality. Are we living that way? Do we think about it? Are, are we aware that Jesus Christ could come back? Do we do we anticipate His second coming, and is it affecting our lifestyle? I told the people in the first service. Uh, I, I was raised at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church. My sister Shrita and I. We, we uh, she's only two years older than I am, uh, even though I look so much older than her. Right. Being nice to you, sis. Um, yeah. We had great Sunday school teachers, great uh, CTS teachers. Uh, remember going to Aunt Pat's class on Sunday night at CTS. My Aunt Pat Kate's, my dad's older sister, was one of our teachers. And man, she loved kids, she loved teenagers. She kind of poured her life into our lives. and I can remember just as a little kid sitting there listening to my Aunt Pat teach us about the second coming of Jesus cuz we talked about that all the time. I had a preacher who preached on it like every Sunday almost, you know. Jesus is coming, you better be ready, you know, live the life and and I can remember Aunt Pat d- d- talking to us about that and and saying to us something as simple as this. Guys, you need to live every day realizing that this could be the day. And ask yourself if Jesus came back today, if Jesus came back right now, would I want him to find me? doing what I'm doing or thinking what I'm thinking or saying what I'm saying that that is living in the anticipation of his second coming and the Bible says we need to live life daily that way L- later on I, I, I kinda put it together and figured out you know regardless of if he comes back today he's always watching us so we always need to be anticipating his coming However, the Bible says that in the last days, an apostate church will arise out of the true church, and they will deny the second coming of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, there will be a denial of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. The book of Jude warns about godless men who will slip in among Christians in the church, and and change the grace of God into a license of immorality. And verse four of Jude says they will deny Jesus Christ, our only Sovereign and Lord. And in the context of what that is saying is, they will begin to deny the basic tenets of the faith that we believe as Christians. They will begin to deny theology and doctrine. They will say that these things are are, are not important. They, they are secondary, and they'll, they'll set aside the, the basic tenets of our faith. And folks, that, is, that has happened in American Christianity. Again, I, I hate to keep repeating this, but in my series, Hazmat, some of the most dangerous ideals in our culture, we, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen the pressure that this world is putting upon us as believers and putting on us as a church to, to water down the truth of the gospel. Huh? To become, and I used this word last week, to become tolerant. That's what our world wants us to be. They want us to be tolerant. Tolerant doesn't mean what it used to mean. Tolerance used to mean that you respected a person even though they had a different opinion than yours. That tolerance has changed, and now the world says no tolerance means that, that you not only accept the person, you accept their idea as being as valid and as truthful as any other idea. That's simply not the case. But that's the pressure the world is placing on us. And you know what? We're caving in. Christians are caving in, they're backing off. They, you know, we, we just we want everybody to like us. <laughs> We're becoming tolerant. A few years ago, I was invited to a uh, a special meeting. It happened at a a, a big fancy hotel in Dallas. Uh, Some friends of mine who are are pastors of different denominations hired this church growth consultant to sit down and speak to five, five pastors. I happened to be one of them about church growth. The, the church growth guru that was there is a, a, a man who had built a mega church. He retired from the mega church and is now uh, consulting churches, teaching church growth, uh, showing you the, the hands-on how to build a, a, a big church. I, I was very interested in that because you know I want to see people saved. I want I want more people in our church. I want to grow the church. Okay, so I went to this meeting and uh, uh, like I say, there's like five pastors, so it's very informal, very personal. Uh, this guy, he spoke all day long, had great ideas. Uh, I, I, I understood and accepted just about everything he said. He says, if you want to build a great church, this is what you got to do. And a lot of it is just just number things, you know, uh, things that we understand here at Cavanaugh. You know, you can't you can't run a thousand people if you can only uh, uh, seat. Five hundred in your sanctuary, or four hundred in your sanctuary. You know, there's only a certain amount of service you can have. You, you can't you can't run this amount of people if you only have this amount of parking places. So we talked about all that, and I agreed with it. Agreed with almost everything he said until he came uh, to the part about preaching. And he he was very frank with us. He says, "Guys, I've been there. I've done it. I know what I'm talking about." If you want to build a big church and you want to draw a lot of people, you you're going to have to be careful what you say. You're going to have to back off. Because people don't want to hear that their dirty, rotten sinner is going to hell. Okay? People don't want to hear that stuff. People don't want to hear doctrine. People don't want to hear a discourse on theology. It's not what people in our day and time want to hear. And if you want to build a big church where a lot of people come in, you're going to have to be very careful what you say. Don't offend people. Don't be offensive. You know? talk about the grace of God and the love of Jesus and how people can be saved but never get into doctrine, never get into theology people don't want to hear that and I was trying to be open I was trying to be real objective because man, I really you know, you know my, I want a thousand people here and I was, I was being real objective thinking about it so, you know, we got awesome music, we got a great facility we got great people maybe if I did just kind of tweak my message a little bit and then, boy, it hit me, you know. God said, no, Will, that's not what I called you to do, okay? And I really struggled with this for about one minute. And, and you know, I don't want to sound egotistical. I don't want to sound hard-headed, anything like that. But I want to just tell you, okay? I just want to tell you. I really don't care what you want to hear. You know? Because sometimes we need to hear things we don't want to hear. And you can't water down the truth. When, when we begin to water down the truth of the gospel, we are becoming exactly what the Bible is talking about, an apostate church. Free will Baptists, I've all, often said, are about 50 years behind other mainline denominations. We really are. I mean, you know, we're we're one of the most conservative denominations that that is in our world today, and we really are 50 years behind on a lot of things, technology and all that other kind of stuff. But you know what? Being being 50 years behind is not bad when it comes to discussions and compromises on doctrinal issues. I'm glad we're behind the times on that. But as conservative as Free Will Baptist are, it only takes one generation. Maybe two generations to compromise, to become tolerant, to deny the doctrine and the truth that the word of God is based on. And then what have you become? You have become an apostate church. Finally, number four, there will be a denial of holiness. A couple of passages quickly. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People will be eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and brimstone rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Likewise, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. And just as the Bible predicted... People today, people right here in 2012 America are becoming more and more religious, but less and less godly. They have a spiritual hunger, but little appetite for the truth of Jesus Christ. And when they do go to a church in the United States of America, when they walk into an average church on an average Sunday, the chances of them hearing the, the pure, unadulterated truth of the gospel of Christ is remarkably low. Because a lot of churches and a lot of Christians have lost their love to guard the pure truth of Jesus Christ. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible teaches that at almost any time in the midst of where we are today, Jesus Christ could come back in the clouds to rapture His church. Believers will be caught up with Him into heaven but the old apostate church will be left behind and will be taken over by the Antichrist. That, that's not a story tale. That, that, that's not, it's not a movie. <laughs> that's reality. It is going to happen. In light of this truth, what can we do about it? In light of the fact that Jesus is coming back, maybe today, how in the world are we to live our lives? Well, our greatest responsibility is to keep our own hearts and lives as close to Jesus Christ as we possibly can. We must guard against drifting away from Him. We must guard our heart against backsliding in our own lives. I don't know if you read about the men trying to circle the earth in a hot air balloon just recently. They made it across China and were within reach of success when they sailed into a pocket of stagnant, still air, dead air. And they stalled out. One of the pilots said, we hit the doldrums. And their attempt failed. You know, as a believer in Jesus Christ and as a church, we must guard against stagnant air. We must guard against the doldrums. And one of the best ways of remaining faithful to God in a faithless world is to remind ourselves over and over and over again how very, very faithful God Himself is to us. I mean, how do we remain faithful to God in a world that is faithless? We remind ourselves God is faithful. God is faithful. Billy Graham in his autobiography, Just As I Am, discusses a time several years ago uh, when he went through a period of great personal anxiety and uncertainty because of the problems in the lives of his children. Uh, They were into drinking and drugs and living a very wild and dangerous life. Looking back on that time, Billy Graham wrote, but God was faithful. Pretty cool little phrase. But God was faithful. When you think back on the hardest times in your life, the most difficult days and the the, the roughest times, remember this, God was faithful. That that phrase, but God was faithful, kind of caught my attention, and so I went back through the Word of God and and found references in the Bible where God was faithful. I tell you, they, they transformed my life. What a blessing to read about the faithfulness of God. It gave me hope. I I pray that it gives you a little hope. I want to read just a few of these, just segments of Scripture throughout the Bible. For example, the Bible says, God is faithful. (laughs) Your faithfulness endures to all generations. All your commands are faithful. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. He who calls you is faithful. The Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. A merciful and faithful high priest, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful. And true, with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness. Let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Church, listen, our God is faithful. How in the world can I remain faithful to him in a world that is faithless? And just look back on my life at every turn at every corner at every decision when the going got tough you know what God was right there he never left me he never abandoned me I tell you, folks, God is faithful God is faithful and that's what we need to focus on every every day even though the world is is pulling us away from him even though the world is is vying for our attention we need to keep focused on his faithfulness we need to keep focused on him because you know what This world is just temporary. (laughs) Dude, man, even if you live to be 100 years old, what is it? It's a vapor in time, it's nothing. And Jesus is coming again. He came the first time as a baby in a manger, He's coming again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And judge of this universe. I don't know when it's gonna be, but I believe in the chain of truth, and I believe he's coming again. The real question is this Am I ready for him? Am I living my life in such a way today that if he came back this afternoon, I would not be ashamed? It, am I living in such a way, my life in such a way, that I can say with all honesty, even now, come Lord Jesus. Are you? Well, the Johnny had a, a thermometer up there a while ago. You know, our giving to adopt a family is really low. Please give here in just a little bit, okay? But there's that thermometer, you know, it gauged our giving. What if we had a gauge like that in our life? I call it a lifeometer that measured... Our faithfulness and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Where, where's our meter right now? Where's yours? Okay. I mean, Jesus is coming. Got it? He's coming. We need to be way up there at the top. Our life on meter. We need to be real faithful to Him. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me plead with you come and accept Jesus today. Yes, what I'm preaching is exclusive truth. There's only one way to heaven, but I'm telling you that out of love. Yeah? That, that, that's the second part of that whole message of, of, of knowing the truth. We, we can't be egotistical. We can't be these spiritual snobs. Of, oh, we're going to heaven. Sorry, you're going to hell. Yeah? I'm so much better than you because... Of... No, that's not the life God's called us to. We know the truth. The truth sets us free, but you know what? You know what I am? I am a saved sinner. I was a no-good-for-nothing sinner. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, I have been transformed. I have become a brand-new creation. The old life has passed away. Behold, everything is brand new. There is joy in my soul because of my walk with Jesus and my sure hope in heaven. That doesn't make me an egotistical spiritual snob gives me a love for other people for God so loved the world he didn't want anybody to perish God doesn't want anybody to go to hell we are his ambassadors so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus my plea to you is to come and find him accept him as your Lord and Savior if you're here today and you're a Christian understand this Jesus is coming back are you being faithful to him? Maybe you need to bring your faithfulness up to date, okay? You can do it at the altar. And if you're here this morning and you're A-OK, everything's great, fantastic, wonderful. You know what? You need to come and pray, God, help me to remain faithful. Yeah? Because tomorrow's another day, and I'm going to go back out in the world that's trying to make me conform to their ways. Help me to be faithful, Lord. Give me the strength. And if you've got kids and grandkids, boy, you need to come pray for them because we are living in a faithless world. Heavenly Father, I pray Jesus' name right now that you would call men, women, boys and girls to you. Lord, we've done our best to lift up the name of Jesus and I pray that as we have done that, you, Jesus, would draw people to yourself right now. For those who need to be saved, I pray that they would come and accept Jesus. For those who need to have a closer, more dedicated walk, I pray that they would come and and just get close to you. Maybe, dear Lord, they're... There are men, women, boys, and girls, or even families that need to come this morning and and lay their life symbolically on the altar and give you everything, holding nothing back for themselves. Lord, would you move in this service? May many people come to you in faith today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand. The guys are going to sing. Why don't you step out right now? As soon as you stand up, just step out and come if God is speaking to you. The altars are open. Would you come and pray?
1: I need you, Jesus, to come to me. My- I
0: I love you and I thank you for the truth that we've read today. I know that every person in this room is concerned about the world that we live in and the hazardous material that we see and our children are taught. I pray that, that in the midst of a world that has gone all wrong, we would keep going right that we would remain faithful to you because you have always been faithful to us. I pray for each Christian who is here today. I pray for each family that is represented. And dear Lord, I pray for this blessed church that you've given us. May we remain on the course and may we keep preaching and teaching the truth of Jesus Christ and doing it out of hearts that are filled with love for people. May your blessings be on us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your listening. Come back next week, and it may be a little happier next week, all right? Uh, you know what? We, we, we need to be reminded of truth, and, uh, and I say that jokingly, that it might be better. It might not be better <laughs> next week. I don't know. But uh, come back next week, and you'll hear uh, more of the Bible. Uh, I'm going to ask our ushers if they would make ready this morning for today's offering. If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, would you please give to support this uh, ministry? Uh, for all of you who are here, even our guests, I uh, will not be ashamed to ask you to give to Adopt a Family. If you are giving to adopt a family, please mark it. Uh, uh, Put adopt a family or kids or Christmas on it, and we'll make sure that that gets to the right account. Let's pray right now and ask God to bless this.